Now, there is nothing more powerful in your life than something called habit. Habit, because we are what we repeatedly do. We are, our lives are made up of the habits we perform. And I could give you quote after quote after quote today from the greatest teachers and preachers throughout history on the significance of habit in our life. And all of them are going to, in some way, say this statement that's on the screen this morning, and that is, we form our habits, and then our habits form us. So your life is a direct result of the things you repeatedly do. And they have, those things may have been handed down to you, you may have picked them up along the way, you may have created your own, but your life is formed by your habits. So we've decided to call this series Uphill Habits because uh, on your notes, the thesis statement of this series is that most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. So our hopes are going up, but hope is not a strategy. Hope will get you started. Hope will inspire you. Hope will keep you moving But it's not a strategy. You're going to need something more than hope to really see a change. And that's what all of us really want. And that's one of the things I love about this church is that we have a pathway to go down to to get some real life change. And the way we say it, especially around this time of year, is we just challenge you to give us a year of your life and see what God will do. But what we're saying in this and in the title of this series, that what we're talking about is not necessarily easy. Because if it were easy, we wouldn't even have to do a sermon on it because, hello, everyone would already be doing it. It's not easy. It's, the, it's the, not the easy way to do life. And the way that God calls us to live is challenging. It's doable, but you can't do it without Him. In fact, you, just, you cannot live the life that God calls you to live without God. And let's just say it th- this way this morning on the screen, that everything worthwhile is uphill. Would you just say that statement with me today? Everything worthwhile is uphill. One more time. Everything worthwhile is uphill. So we want to set some very deliberate and intentional habits in our life that will take you to new heights in your life. But to get to new heights, you've got to go uphill. But the good news of today is that when God is on your side, that means it's like the wind is at your back. So it may be uphill, it may be difficult, but the wind is at your back because you're going God's direction. And I just want to challenge you in this first weekend of the new year that, man, so many times what we hear on this, this year is excuses. That we hear like, well, man, I made the same resolution year after year after year. That this is the year I'm just not even going to make a resolution. And this is the way I am. And everybody else is just going to have to resolve to put up with me like this. And that's kind of what the point we get to. But honestly, when I look out at our church today and on all these services, I don't see a church full of excuses. In fact, what I've been seeing as I look back at you and look into your eyes is I see people that are ready for something fresh in their life. And they're ready for God to to take them to new heights. And I look back in some of your eyes today and I see, I mean, I see fire in your eyes. And it's like, I'm ready to go. I'm loaded. I'm ready. Just point me in the direction, pastor, and let's do it. And that's what I see. And that's what this season is all about. That's what I just, I can feel, I can sense there's going to be some breakthroughs 
in our time together. So we're going to go on this journey together, and the journey is uphill, but we're going to need to pack a few things before we leave for this journey. And so here's three things I want us to pack before we leave and go on this journey together. Write these down. The first thing that we're going to need is hope for the future. And some of you, you have lost your hope. And that's why you're at church today. You're hopeless, and I just tell you, you've come to the right place. If you don't think you can change, or it can change, or that your marriage can be restored, or that your finances are beyond repair, or that your emotions are too tattered, or that there's too much water under the bridge, you have come to the right place. Because you are surrounded by people who would tell you, yeah, I was hopeless too. And I've just got a word from God for you today, and it's not in your message notes, it's, it's not on the screen, but it's two words from God to you today, and those words are, but God, but God. I've just seen so many times where people have given up hope, and God intercedes, and he makes a way where there's no way. It's what he does. He moves mountains. He softens even the hardest heart. And that I may have a way of thinking, I may have a way that I'm going, and God intercedes him. But God did this, and that's what he does. And maybe there's a lot going on in your life, and maybe it feels like you are just slip sliding downhill, but God. There's an encounter we read in the Gospel of John where Jesus encounters a woman at a well, and the disciples had gone off to run an errand for Jesus, and they'd left him alone at this well in the region of Samaria. And while he was there, a woman approached the well, And Jesus asked her if she would drop some water for him. It's amazing what Jesus was doing, just talking to her, because there was a gender barrier then that were men wouldn't talk to women. And there was also an ethnic barrier because he's a Jew and she was a Samaritan. But Jesus smashes through those barriers. And while he's having his drink, he says, are you married? And she says, I've been married five times. And Jesus says, yes, you've been married five times and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. So obviously this woman had experienced a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. And Jesus makes this statement because thank God he just met, she just met the seventh guy. She just met Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And he says, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. And I want to say to you today to have hope for your future, I just want to say to you today, if you only knew, if you only knew, one of the joys of being involved in ministry around here and being in the same place for a long time is that I get to see the before and after. And in fact, I look out today and I I remember some of your before pictures. (laughs) What life looked like before. But you had hope for your future. People sitting here, right here in this room right now, and if you heard their stories, you would have hope for your future. It's a few weeks ago at Celebrate Recovery that we celebrated a guy by the name of Les Hunt. And when Les walked into Celebrate Recovery at Rockbrook Church 10 years ago, he was homeless, living in a storage unit, he was a drug addict. He's fresh out of prison, and last month we celebrated by giving him his 10-year chip and celebrated 10 years clean last month, restored with his family, his kids, his dad. He owns a home, has a job. If you only knew, less you're giving people hope today. 
If you only knew what God is willing to do in your life. And so just pack in your bag today hope for the future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now the Lord said this when Israel was in exile as slaves. And some of you feel enslaved today by something. And God says, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So you're going to need hope for your future to take this journey. The second thing you're going to need for this journey, write this in, is repentance from the past. You're going to have to make a course correction from where you have been headed. And you can't just put things in autopilot because they will start coasting downhill. You've got to repent. Now, repent is, has such a negative uh, word. Is we think it means falling on your face and weeping and gnashing of teeth. But what repent means, that word, is to, to change the mind about the direction you're headed. Is that all of us need to find that area of our life where we are headed in a direction and God has another way for us. We've got to go God's direction. Maybe you've heard this before. This is titled, My Life in Five Chapters. Chapter one, I went for a walk and I fell into a deep, dark hole and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter two, I went for a walk and I fell into a deep, dark hole And it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I went for a walk, and this time I saw the hole, but I got a little too close, and I slipped and fell in, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 4, I went for a walk, I saw the hole, and this time I decided to walk around the hole. Chapter 5, I went for a walk, and this time I walked in a different direction. That's repentance. And for some of you, you have just resolved yourself to live in chapters one through four, and God says, turn the page. Or maybe you've resolved to just be a chapter four person, and you say, I'm I'm just gonna, gonna walk down this road, and it's full of holes, and I'm gonna surround myself with these people and this stuff and all this, but I'm just gonna discipline and force myself not to fall into those holes. No! God says, there's another street. There's another way. Turn around. Repent and go God's way. Look at Philippians 3.13. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And what is ahead is going to be uphill. But if you'll come and join us, come and grow with us, come and serve with us, you can say, I press, I press toward." I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which is God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And maybe you say today, Rylan, I've tried it. I've taken the challenge I've given you a year of my life. I lost my way or I must have been missing something. I've started these things before, but I can't do it. And I would just say this word to you today, start again. And then start again and again. The key to success is starting a thousand times. Failure is quitting once. Listen, you can't make a habit in your life of something you've never even done twice. Start again, and then start again, again. It's not going to come naturally, it's uphill. So we're going to need to pack repentance from the past for this journey. We're going to need to have that. The third thing we're going to need to have is the formation of uphill habits. And in preparing for this series, I couldn't overlook the word within the word. Do you see it? 
Would you circle it after you write it in? It's bits. Habits happen in bits. This is going to happen in bits. So we've packed our bags for the journey, but there's one thing I need you to know before we leave. And that is that I need you to know how God sees you this weekend. And when God looks at you in this first weekend of the new year, he does not see someone who needs to lose a few pounds by March. He does not see someone who in the next 21 days needs to complete a Bible reading plan. He does not see someone who by May needs to have this relationship restored with their kids. We think, here's what we want. We want something big and we want it right now. And God says, what I want to do is make a difference in the generations to come. So what I want to put in you is something bit by bit that's going to make a real lifestyle difference. God's not looking to March. He's not looking to May. He's not looking to December. He's looking to your children's children who would say, you know, health really started with that man of God up here on the family tree. (laughs) Us serving God really started with that woman of God. Where the difference that was really made was in that person. And they instilled it so profoundly, so deeply in their life that it made a difference in the generations to come. And that's how they were a world changer. That's what God sees today. So you, you may not, I'm sorry, you may not get out of debt by December 2018. But certainly through the formation of uphill habits, be out of debt in three to five years and have made a lifestyle difference for the generations to come. You may not know and have read and understand everything about the Bible in a year. But certainly through the formation of uphill habits in a few years from now, be walking in the light and the life of Scripture. That's what God wants for you today. He sees a difference for the generations to come. So we've got to expand what God sees. We've got to look at us the way God sees us. I love the way Aristotle said this. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not, then is not an act. It's not a one-time big thing. Excellence is a habit. It's a habit. And God wants you to know today that no matter who you are and what was stacked against you, if God is for you, it doesn't matter what the past is. It doesn't matter what your father did. It doesn't matter what's in the past because we're looking onward and upward and the wind is at our back and God can make a difference in your life for the generations to come. That's what God sees and says to us today. Not a difference for March, not a difference for May, not a difference for December, but a difference for a lifetime. But it's not going to happen because of God's desire for us. It's not even going to happen for our, because of our desire for us. It's going to happen because of something called habit. Something called habit. And it's in the bits. You've got to celebrate the bits. And the good news is that we have God on our side. Here's our theme verse for this series. We're going to read it every week. Read this first, this first sentence out loud with me. Fix your attention on God. So we're going to put God first in this. I'm going to get God's help in the process. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. We'll have the opportunity to do that today. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. <laughs> Isn't that a great way to put it? God brings the best out of you. develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what I want. That's what you want. That's why we're all here today, 
So how do you develop that well-formed maturity in you? Well, it's habit number one. And the first habit is to focus on what I do first. Focus on what I do first. If there's a principle in the Bible that runs through from cover to cover, it's the principle of first things first. Any study of the Bible is going to uh, reveal to you the principle of the first. Any study of habit is going to tell you to put the big rocks in first. So if you were to build a stacked stone fireplace, you would start with the biggest rocks first, and the smaller rocks would find their place around those, and then the even smaller ones find their place around those. And you've got to start with the big rocks first. Now, I can tell more about you by what you do first than by almost anything else you do. And the first things not only reveal things about us, but first things actually have power in our lives. First things have power. So the first thing we got to do, number one, is put God first. If you're taking notes, write that in. Put God first. I have to say this as strongly as God says it today. If God is in your life, but he's not first in your life, then he's not in your life. If God's on your list, but he's not first on your list, he's not on the list. God will only settle for one place in your life, and that is first. And he has a right to do that. You know why? Because he gave up his first. He gave up his one and only son, his firstborn son, as a sacrifice for us. And God expects only one thing from you. That's to put him first. That is salvation. Salvation is not being a member of a church. Salvation is not going through growth track at Rockbrook. Salvation is putting God First, reordering your life to where he is Lord of every area of your life. And that's one of the reasons why I believe the first words of the Bible are in the beginning God. If you made those four words the theme of your life, what would your life look like? That's why the first of the Ten Commandments is about putting God first, Exodus 21 through 3. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, praise God. You shall have no other gods before me. And that little g, gods, it means idols. It also means loves. And God says, I want to be the first love in your life. Yes, I put you in creation and around people, and I want you to love them. But love first the Lord your God. And I'm encouraging you to make 2018 the year where you live that out, where you live out in the beginning God. Now, how am I going to put God first in my life? Or how do I know God is first in my life? How do I do that? Well, that's number two. You do it by giving God the first of everything. So we're going to read a couple of verses here on tithing. And the tithing is the principle of giving to God first. And unfortunately, um, too many people have so emphasized the money part of tithing that they leave out the other areas of life. Then while others have said tithing is about everything but money, But when you read through scripture, you really see that God is setting up a principle of first that affects everything. So let's look at this together. Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 14.23 says why. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. And praise God that when people tithe money uh, to God through the church, that the church accomplishes great things for God. But that's not the primary purpose of the tithe. That's a side benefit. The purpose of the tithe is to teach us to put God first in everything. 
So I want to encourage you to take this principle of first and apply it to four areas of your life today. The first one is to give God the first of your year. The first of your year. And this is why we have 21 days of prayer and fasting in January at Rockbrook. And it starts today. Today's day one. And the reason we are doing this is to declare that God is first. So before we do anything, like we, we try to trim down the calendar to only the essentials. We even don't start meeting as small groups until February to, because we're just saying before we do anything, before we go anywhere, I had pastors tell me this would happen and sure enough it did that a few weeks ago I got an invitation to go record small group curriculum and it was in a much warmer climate than here, I can tell you that much. And it looked really attractive. It's a good thing, small group curriculum. It was right in the heart of 21 days of prayer. And I'd already pre-decided I'm setting that time, giving God the first of my year. And so I told them, we're going to have to figure this out, do something some way to move this or I can't do it because I know who I am and I know who I'm not and I'm not moving forward in 2018 without God. You know, I just picture Moses leading the Israelites. And, and God, he gets kind of fed up with the Israelites to the point where he says to Moses, Moses, I'm not going to lead you personally anymore. I'm going to send an angel to do it. And Moses says, thanks God for the angel, but no thanks. I need you. And if you don't lead me, I'd rather us all just die right here. We're not moving upward without you. And that's the cry of our hearts during these 21 days is, Lord, we need you. We can't do it without you. And so we don't, we don't move. We don't make a move without God. And I invite you to be, to be a part of it. Uh, I'll just tell you real quickly what, what this is, is we have these 21 days starting today, but then we also have prayer services Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. where we come together for about an hour and uh, you'll be led in prayer. Uh, staff will lead a prayer and then we'll worship together. There's full band, man. The worship team gets up and comes up and, and then we have uh, about 30 minutes of individual prayer time. Uh, and it's just powerful to be in a room of, of people reading scripture and praying and, and, and giving God the first declaring him leaning on him leaning into him and and we realize that you may not be able to you just cannot be here at 6 a.m monday through friday Uh, well if you could come to just the three saturday ones make it to those three saturday 9 a.m ones or if you can't we've kind of built this to where we can do this as a church anywhere so as you leave today there's tables in the worship center and uh, they have a few things one is uh, the prayer focuses for each day so 21 days has a different prayer emphasis each day and how's a bible verse and then some ways to pray so we're united in one mind heart and spirit uh, throughout this time there's a thing called a pray first guide and this thing i tell you will transform your prayer life i don't i i can't think of any one tool that's transformed my relationship with god more than this because it has uh, prayer outlines in there, like the Lord's Prayer or Tabernacle Prayer, spiritual warfare prayers that you can go through. It's got information on fasting, how to pray for the lost people in your life. And uh, this is just a different cover. It's the same exact book that we've handed out in years past. So if you've already got one of these, you got it. But feel free to grab one if you need it. And then another thing we've got is um, a Pray First wristband to remind you that before I start my day, I'm going to pray first. Before I walk into this meeting, I'm going to pray first. Before I hit send on this email, I'm going to pray first. Before I walk into the house tonight, I'm going to pray first and just put God first. So that's kind of the 
the mission or the vision of 21 days of prayer, but then there's also a fasting element. And uh, we've got information on fasting online. Actually, there's a 21 days of prayer page on rockbrook.org where you could download that sheet with the prayer emphasis. Uh, You could download a digital copy of the Pray First booklet. And then there's some information on fasting. And there's information on fasting in this book as well. But uh, let me just give you a one-minute version of, of fasting. There's a few different ways uh, that you could fast. One of them is called a complete fast, a complete fast, where some of us may want to consider setting aside all food for 21 days, no solid food. You just eat juices and broth. And uh, before you do that, you really need to consult your doctor and get permission from them to see if you're healthy enough to do that. Uh, Because the, the point of fasting is not to destroy your health. The point of fasting is to get you healthier mentally, physically, uh, emotionally. Uh, God's not looking for you to suffer through fasting. The point of fasting is to create a hunger that is a constant reminder to pray, to give that grief, to give that worry, to give that fear over to God. You're setting aside something that you want physically and you're starving it that way to feed you spiritually and to get closer to God. Now the next kind of fast is what you could do is a selective fast where you select certain foods and you eliminate those from your diet for 21 days, something that you crave. So you may want to eliminate um, coffee or like every other drink other than water for 21 days. So you have that constant reminder. Uh, You may want to eliminate breads or sweets or you may want to give up meat for 21 days and just pray and ask God what he would have you to give up. Another type of fast is um, what's called a partial fast where you continue to eat everything that you would normally eat but you don't do it all the time. So you maybe pick a meal, uh, like breakfast, lunch, or dinner, that you're going to fast from every day, and then you would spend the time that you would normally take going or preparing and eating the food in prayer, and then that hunger throughout that time uh, is a constant, it's pushing you to pray. And then you could have maybe three days in there where it's a complete fast or something like that. But there's not one that's more spiritual than the other, and... Uh, let me tell you, the best fast out there is one that you'll do. <laughs> so pray about it, think about it, take it seriously, and then, and then do it, because that's the best fast. There's a fourth kind, and it's what we call a soul fast. And this is where it's not focused so much on food, but it's focused on what goes into your emotions and mind. It's very powerful when you couple a type of food fast with a soul fast, uh, where maybe you're going to fast from social media for 21 days, or you're going to fast from um, television and movies, or something that you go to, something that, um, that you crave, that, that you want, that your mind wants, and you take that time and you fill your mind with God. And you just set everything else aside. And so that's how we're going to give God the first of our year, through prayer and fasting and through the word. And then we're also going to give, you can write this in, give God the first of our month. And this is where scheduling and budgeting money comes into it. At the beginning of the month, you get together as a family or as a couple or with your schedule, and you make sure that God is built into that first. And let me tell you why this is so crucial. Because if you don't do this, if you don't control your schedule, If you don't give to God your schedule, if you don't control it, everyone else will. Everyone else has a plan for your time and your money. Everyone else does. And if you don't put God first and you don't control it, 
This is what they'll do. It'll be work and school and soccer and gymnastics and aerobics and sports and recreation and even TV will control your schedule for you. The same is true with your money. Everybody else has a plan for your money. And if you don't intentionally put God first, if you don't control it, they will for you. So I'm going to give God the first of my year, the first of my month, and I'm going to also give him the first of my week. And uh, you're doing that right now worshiping with your church family, but I encourage you to make it uh, more than just one hour or a few hours out of the week, but to give God a whole day, and God calls it a Sabbath. Sabbath actually means, that word means rest, uh, that he created in six days, and he took the seventh day, and he stopped, and he rested. Again, he models for us what he expects And maybe this is one of the most challenging things I have to say to you today, but maybe one of the most helpful is that don't just give God this one hour. Give him a whole day. Take a real Sabbath. Take a nap. Take a walk. Enjoy your family. Enjoy a great meal. Do some things to restore your soul. And instead of running around like a crazy person all weekend, take some time to worship and rest. To worship and rest. And to just make this a pattern for your life because I'm telling you what, you can get more done in six days with God than you can in seven days without him. So I give him the first of my week, then I also give them the first of my day. And if you have time for nothing else, let the first words out of your mouth be to God. Let the first words out of your mouth every day. Thank you, God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You could say, well, can I do this any time of day? Yes, but there's something so powerful about the first. And I wanted to encourage you uh, to practice what we teach here at Rockbrook. It's called the first 15. First 15. I think our lives would look a whole lot better if we gave God the first 15. And, and it's, it's doable. You just do five minutes in the Word. Maybe you read a chapter or read a psalm, read some proverb, read, read uh, one of the daily readings in our, our one-year Bible reading plan. You could do five minutes in worship. So get a song for the day. Get a song for the day. And then five minutes in prayer. And you could use the pray first guide and pray through one of those prayers. But why? I guess that's the question I have at the end of all this is why? <laughs> why are we going to do this? Why are we putting God first? Why are we going to give him the first of our year, our month, our week, our day? Why do we put God first? That's number three, because when you put God first, you can expect God to bless the rest. We spend so much time chasing after the rest. And we never get it. Or never satisfied once we have it. And God says, seek me first. Put me first. And all the rest will be added to you. When I give God, what I give God first, he multiplies. So when I give God the first of my time, he multiplies my time. When I give God the first of my money, he multiplies my finances. When I give God the first of my thoughts, he blesses my thoughts. Look at Proverbs 3, 6 through 10 with me. It says, in all your ways, all of them, acknowledge him. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops, Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God says there's another way, there's another street where if you put me first, all the rest will be added to you and you will be satisfied in it. 
Let's pray together. Well, God, just as we bow in prayer, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. And we give you all the glory for it. We start 2018 declaring our complete dependence on you. We cannot do it without you. We will not be a people too proud to say that we can do it on our own. And I officially, right now, launch 21 days of prayer and fasting 2018, right here, right now. God, speak to your people. You have first place in our lives. And help us to put these big stones of scripture and prayer and fasting in first. Do a powerful thing among us, we pray. Just one prayer before we close. If you're here today and God is not first place in your life, he's not Lord of your life. And if you want to reorder your list, scripture says to confess him as Lord, means put him first, believe in your heart, that Jesus rose from the dead and you will be saved. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've done that before and you look at your life today and you say, God is way down on this list and I've got to move him up. If you want to do that today and you want to pray this prayer, just shoot your hand up in the air right now. Hold it up. Yes, way to go. Way to go. Way to go. Yes, God bless you. Way to go. You can put your hand down. Just pray, God, forgive me for having other things other than you in first place. Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you for your death in my place. Thank you for the resurrection, the promise of eternal life with you. God, thank you for giving your first to make a way for me. And I put you at the top of my list. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.